Thank you, Jesus. Well, we've been talking about battles. How many, um, let's just say, after we had the eight days of prayer, how many had experienced a battle afterwards? There's just... Well, I'm surprised. I thought there'd be more than that. Well, what happens many times when we have great meetings or we go into prayer like that, what, what happens? According to the word in Mark 4, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that's sown into your heart. And so I didn't see that many hands, but I can tell you from what uh, Pastor Jonathan and I have been dealing with, there's, there's been a lot of attacks, a lot of attacks. But here's the thing is, we win. And so it's, it's kind of good if you know, okay, that's the devil. He comes immediately to steal the word. He might come today after you hear the word. He might come this afternoon. He might come when you're in the parking lot. But we have authority over him. So he, he comes to steal, but we don't have to let him steal. Amen. It's up to us to fight the good fight of faith. Is that right? So today we're going to talk about fighting that fight. And uh, let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 6.12, very familiar verse. Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he's, he's, uh, he's really raising him up to be the leader. He's raising him up to do some things great for God. And he says, <clears throat> fight the good fight of faith. That's verse 12. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Now, for years, you, you probably have heard people say, well, what's a good fight? And the answer would always be, it's a fight you win. Well, that's true, but we need to know how we win. Amen? A good fight's a good fight that I win, but I need to know how do I win? Because if I don't know, I know it's, I'm supposed to win, but I've got to know how to fight the good fight, not just fight. You know, Paul talks about when you're boxing and you're boxing like air, you know? You ever seen, you ever seen a, a movie or something where there's a fight and there's one that he's just doing this, you know, and he's running all over it and he's, but he's not hitting. He's not making any contact. Because he's just a good runner. He runs around the ring. <laughs> that's probably how I'd be. But <clears throat> that's not a good fight. But he's avoiding the fight. But in faith, you can try to avoid it. But there's got to be a point where you know how to fight. Because you can't avoid the devil. And the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So first thing he's going to do is steal from you. You ever had the devil try to steal from you? Of course you have. If you've been born again five minutes, you probably have had him try to steal something. But then he's going to kill. And he's going to destroy. So you've got to know your enemy, but you've also got to know who you serve. And Jesus didn't stop there. He said, but I've come 
Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So obviously, abundant life does not include stealing, killing, and destroying. Amen? So if I'm, if I'm having those issues, then obviously I have to know my enemy, and I have to know I have authority, that greater is he that's in me than him, right? I have to know that Jesus said he gives us authority over all the enemies. Amen? We have authority over demons. We have authority over uh, those situations that come to destroy us. But we have to know how to use that. So Paul says to Timothy, take hold of the eternal life in which you were called. See, we all believe that when we're born again, we enter into eternal life, right? Eternal life does just not come when you die. Because when I'm born again, amen, when I'm born again, the old brownie died January the 18th, 1974. She died, and the new brownie was born into eternal life. So I have eternal life. I, I got it. In 1974, January of 1974, I still have it. And when I put this body down, I'll enter into more of it. Amen? Amen. So you have to understand eternal life. You have to take hold now. That's not just when you're on your deathbed. You take hold of eternal life. What is eternal life? Well, the Bible says, Jesus said, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To pray that, right? So what is God's will in heaven? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you're questioning what is the will of God, which I'm telling you, you can listen to all kinds of preachers, you can listen to all kinds of doctrine, and they're going to tell you what they think the will of God is. But it's really simple. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is it like in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? Is there financial problems in heaven? Is there uh, relationship problems in heaven? Then that's what we want on earth. That's how we have to, we have to learn how to take hold of it. Because the enemy is going to try to grab it out of you. You ever had a, you know, a, a dog and you give them a, you know, a, a sock or something and they just try to pull it and you try to, you try to tell them who's boss, you know. <clears throat> and so the bigger, the bigger one usually wins, right? But both of you took hold. So when we take hold of eternal life, you have to understand that there will be an opposite uh, power trying to pull against you. But again, know who you are. I'm telling you, if you're a woman that you can make your schedule where you can be free on Tuesday mornings for just an hour and a half about... You will, if you come to God's Covenant Women Ministries, Tina Coconus preaches, uh, teaches it. It's downstairs. And I'm telling you, you will grow because it's line upon line, precept on precept. But she, for this year or this session, is preaching foundational faith. 
And so when the Lord started talking to me about this, you know, quite a while about ago, <clears throat> I thought, great. And then I went and went to GCW, and I thought, well, she's kind of doing the same, but that's okay. Because if we don't have foundational faith, we won't know how to fight. Because we'll be, we'll be fighting the air, like Paul, Paul said, you know, hitting in the air. But he said, which you were caught and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. <clears throat> Take hold of eternal life and you have to make a good confession. That's how you're going to win the battles is how you, how you speak. Because if you, speak, if you keep speaking uh, unbelief, doubt, defeat, if you, if you keep speaking everything the enemy's saying to you, the result will be defeat, right? How many of you have had the, uh, you've heard in your head, you can't do that, and God says you could, but you hear, I can't do that. Anybody had that before? Of course. Because almost anything that God tells you to do is impossible for you to do. When he said in Mark 16, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, did you go, I can't do that. You know, I was in a hotel a few weeks ago, and <clears throat> I, get a, I get a text on my phone from somebody I didn't even know had my cell phone number, but they were in the same hotel, somebody I went to school with, uh, <clears throat> and she said, I need to talk to you. She needed healing. She, she'd never been in a meeting of mine. Never, she went to, uh, 50 years ago, we went to school together. But I went to her room, and I just talked a little bit. Now, she's a believer, a strong believer, but had not experienced some of the things that you've seen just normally. I talked to her just a little bit, and then uh, I laid hands on her, and she was instantly healed. She, feel, she felt bones grow. She saw bones grow. Now, see, that's what we... See, you don't have to be in church... You know, this is what Christians do. We go with the power of God to change our world. Amen. This world needs people who know something about God's goodness, about God's mercy, about the glory of God. This world is looking for that. There's something God told me. Let me just find it where I wrote it down. <clears throat> Oh, he said, he said, uh, oh, that's not where I want to go. Well, said faith will change what is natural to supernatural. Faith will change what is natural to supernatural. But the Lord spoke to a friend of mine last week, and they told, they told this and said, the Lord said this, and I thought it was really good about what we're talking about. But you got to listen carefully because I had to listen. My people are ignorant that they are ignorant. And that's why they're ignorant. Did you get that? My people are ignorant that they are ignorant. And that's why they're ignorant. Now, ignorant uh, is not being stupid. 
Ignorance is really, the definition of ignorance would be a lack of knowledge. So he's, God's not saying, my people are stupid. They don't even know they're stupid. That's not what he's saying at all. He created us. We can have the mind of Christ. We are not stupid. But God's people, he said, my people are ignorant that they are ignorant. And that's why they're ignorant. So what do we do? We go to the Word. I mean, that's, you hear that? Okay, show me in the Word. Give me, give me a scripture. So what scripture comes to mind when you hear that? Hosea 2, 4, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We could put it in that, that term. My people perish because they're ignorant of what God has said. Now, you go to a church, and it's called the Word Church. It's not called the favorite Word Church. It's called the Word Church. Well, that doesn't mean anything. If we don't grab hold and say, I'm, I'm going to stand on the Word. But it's not, it's not going to come with, well, you know, we have a great pastor, thank God, we have a great pastor that preaches the word. But if I, don't, if I just sit there and just, you know, amen a little bit, and if I don't take notes, if I don't listen again to the podcast or whatever, if I don't do my part to make sure that gets in me, then I will be perishing or losing something for lack of knowledge. See, God doesn't want us to lack knowledge. <clears throat> Paul said... I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren, concerning... He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the the mysteries of God. He said, I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren. (laughs) I remember when I first got saved, this preacher preached it, and he said, I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren. (laughs) He said, you know there's no punctuation in the Bible. Man put the punctuation. So I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren. Well, no... Again, it's not an insult to be ignorant. It's just a wake-up sign to say, if I'm ignorant, I need to find out. If, if, I, if I lack knowledge, then I know where to get knowledge. Where are you going to get knowledge? From the Word of God. Amen? So, <clears throat> Paul goes in 2 Timothy, he's still talking to, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, uh, 2 Timothy 7 and 8, Paul's getting ready to leave this earth. As, as you guys heard last week, a really good friend of ours, precious man of God. Uh, I tell you what, the Lord showed me what happened. He, he's a, he was a runner. Everybody knew that Pastor Mike was a runner. Pastor Mike was 65 years old, and... Uh, I mean, great man of God. He was running on a track on Saturday, last Saturday night a week ago. And I saw it. I was praying and I saw. He was running like this and there was like a finish line and he just stepped over and he was in heaven. See, you can step into the glory. You don't have to just have, you know, suffer all that. You can just step in. And he, I mean, he was a guy that brought the glory in every service. You could depend, if Pastor Mike was there, we were going to get, the glory was going to come in. He loved the glory of God. Well, he stepped in. 
But I tell you, this scripture is true. You want to, let me tell you this, you want to be able for people to say you died in faith. Remember Hebrews 11, it talks about, and these died in faith. You know, when, when Pastor David went to heaven, uh, you know, we had questions, but God has been so gracious to answer all of them. But I remember uh, a great, great man of God called me. I was teaching GCW just a few weeks afterwards, and he called, and I went and took the phone call in the kitchen. And he said, Brownie, you need to know that David died in faith. Well, you know, I knew that, but I didn't know that because I had questions. But now that I know, see, I was ignorant concerning how do you die in faith. But I'm not ignorant anymore. But all that to be said, he says here, I have fought, this is Paul, I have fought the good fight. There again, we're we're talking about a good fight. I have finished the course. Doesn't that go back with what he said in 1 Timothy, take hold of eternal life? I finished. See, you want to fight, but you want to finish. It's important that we finish, and we finish good. Amen? I'm telling you, when when I was in high school, you know, (laughs) believe it or not, I ran track. I was bad. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Let's just say I didn't cross the finish line first. (laughs) Or second. (laughs) Or whatever. But the coach would always yell, keep running, finish. Well, you're going, well, why? They, they've already won. Why do I need to finish? Like, <laughs> I'm out of here. And the coach wouldn't let us. Keep running. And, you know, your teenage mind is going, chill, man. Like, <laughs> I am not winning any medals today. <laughs> We are through. And I remember one time running. Now, we didn't have a lot of money, and so my, I never had a pair of shoes that fit me till I was 26 years old, really, because I have very narrow feet. But who knew? Because we didn't go to a shoe store. We went to, like, it wasn't Walmart. It was called Kmart. Anyway, I was running one, one time, and my shoe, just, I just ran out of my shoes. Well... <laughs> Good idea. Stop. No, the coach. My last name was Brown. Brown, keep running. I don't even have shoes. I'm in last place. Really? But boy, my mama was, go, baby. Go, baby. Huh. Baby wants to sit down. Baby, feet hurt. This is a, this track is not nice. But this is a thing we need to finish. I don't care if you think, you know, I, I might as well give up. I can't do this. I don't know why God called me to do this. I don't know why. Just do it and finish because he will strengthen you. He will help you. You have a helper. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. Through Christ. 
through Christ who loves us, right? We can do this. Isn't that right? I can do all things through Christ. So through Christ, Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. So I might not have it in me, but he's in me. He has it in him. Did that make sense? In my flesh, I don't have it, but he's in here. So I can pull on that and say, Jesus, you're going to have to help me. Jesus, I got to preach, and my body is just speaking loud to me this morning. That My body is saying, you can't preach today. But I got to say, Jesus, I can do all things because I'm not doing it through me. Listen, I'm like Moses. I'm in that office, and I say like Moses said in Exodus, if you don't go up with me, I don't want to go. Because I've been up without him, and I've been with him. It's better with him. You ought to be that way in every day, right? Jesus, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. And I'll tell you what Jesus says, if I don't go with you, I don't want you to go. Because if Jesus can't go with you, you don't want to go. Wrong place. Amen. Well, we got off on that. Praise the Lord. He said, I finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know, we don't talk about so much that Jesus is coming again. Pastor Jonathan's been, he's preached on it, particularly when we were in Revelation. Jesus is coming again. And we're supposed to love his appearing. But in, in reality, we don't know when he's coming. So one thing we know is we have to finish our course. Should he come today, I will have finished my course to, to this point. Amen? But I remember when David passed away, you know, he was only 52 uh, years old. And I remember people saying, well, he didn't finish his course. He didn't finish his course. And we were, I was saying it too. We were saying he didn't finish his course. Because he was a great preacher. He was doing great things for God. Why would he move to heaven? And I'm not going to preach on that, but I can tell you that the reasons that people thought were not the reasons. He, he actually just got close to heaven and went in, and he didn't realize he was in, and he decided to stay. I don't blame him. But here's the thing is, we have a course. And I remember saying, I remember exactly where I was. And I said to the Lord, he didn't finish his course. I was kind of upset about it. Because as far as we knew, we had used all our faith. We didn't have any strife in our home. We didn't have sin in our home. It's like we did everything we knew to do that was right, and he still went to heaven. See, I didn't have the answers that day that I have today. But I remember saying, he didn't finish his course. And I heard the Lord say, he did finish his course. And I said, but he was so young. 
And it was me who had had to fight death several times. You know, it was me. And so if, if you had looked at us, it was just assumed, well, Brownie will go to heaven before David. See, God is just smarter than us. And God has a plan. And when he said to me, I said, I, no, he didn't. And God said, David, preach more than many men who live to be 92. David, finish his course. Now, this is the Lord. Now, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard it in here. David finished his course. He's entered his rest. Never say again, he didn't finish his course. Kim can tell you, I've never said it again. It's been 13 years because he did finish his course. He didn't finish his course the way I thought the course should have been finished. But he finished his course. Pastor Mike, last week, when he just ran into glory, <laughs> he finished his course. And he received a crown. See, I want to I receive my... You want to receive the crown. You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to hear, well... You want to hear, well done. And it's, you cannot be on your deathbed and decide, I'm going to do all those things God told me to do. We have to walk by faith every day. I walk by faith and not by sight. You need to read Hebrews 11. Read Hebrews 11 this month if you can. Read, well, you can. Choose to read Hebrews 11. And it talks about, we call it the Faith Hall of Fame. It said, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Enoch, by faith. It goes through them all, amen? But it starts, at Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is. Because he's going to talk about all these people that, that walk by faith, but he's going to tell you the first verse, now this is what faith is. So if, if he's saying, Abraham, by faith, Abraham, or by faith, Enoch, or by faith, whoever, <coughs> even Rahab, which we call Rahab the harlot, you know, it's sort of like we call Barnabas, blind Bartimaeus. That's who they were. They didn't enter heaven. Rahab didn't enter heaven with, here's Rahab the harlot. No, they, you understand? So sometimes I have to watch myself because I talk about Bar Bartimaeus and listen, Jesus healed Bartimaeus. I was, I was on the phone, a customer line the other day for, you know, I was dealing with a problem with a company, and so I've got their customer representative. And I said, what did you say your name was? Because, you know, they say, hello, this is da, 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 da. So, what did you say your name was? And he said, Nathaniel. I said, oh, do you know what the Bible says about Nathaniel? <laughs> he goes, No. <laughs> I said, Jesus met a man named Nathaniel, and he said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. I thought that was so good. That, that should encourage Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel went, Wow, I've never heard that. <laughs> On to business. <laughs> What's in you comes out you. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. If I don't hurry, I won't get all that's in me to come out me. <laughs> but if you don't fight, you won't, win your, you won't finish your course. If you don't fight, you won't finish your course. So we've got to learn to fight. This is how I fight my battles. I said, that's one way, is by praise and worship. I'm telling you, when the enemy comes, one of the greatest things you can do is put you, if you, it can't come out of here, at least put on some great praise music. Don't put on country and western that tells you your dog died and your, your truck got stolen and your wife left you. That will not encourage you. I don't even know the other kinds. I was in a, a store the other day and I heard these lyrics. It was horrible. Horrible. I mean, I, never, I, I didn't even know such lyrics existed. And so I get up to the cashier and I said, do you like this music? She said, I don't even listen to it. I'm like, oh. I'm thinking, that's going in you all day long and it's not good. So when you're in being attacked when, when things are not going, you need to put on some praise and worship. Even if, you know, even if you don't want to hear it, you need to hear it. I, don't, I can't imagine not wanting to hear it, but we have to get it in us. And that's why it's so important that our praise team, you understand, we don't sing bad songs. We don't sing songs like sick, sorry, and depressed. There are songs, there's songs like that. But we sing the word of God because God instructed us particularly. He instructed Pastor Jonathan how, what kind of songs were going to come out from here. So we need to listen to him because he knows how to fight the battle. Because as a church we fight battles. We fight battles individually, we fight battles corporately. And as, as we're, Pastor Jonathan's talking about, you know, we're, you know, God's speaking to us about entering into another, another season. We better know how to fight because the enemy doesn't want it. And you don't want to be a tool of the enemy. If you start getting that in your heart and your mind, you know, you need to go to the word and say, that's not God. That's not God. But Hebrews eleven six. well, I said Hebrews 11, 1, I never told you. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One translation says, now faith is the title deed. When you have the title deed to something, it's yours. Yeah. Now faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Now that's biblical hope. You've heard Pastor Jonathan preach on hope. That's biblical hope, not wishing. So faith is the substance of biblically hoping, in other words, having an expectation. It's the title deed of things hoped for or having a great expectation. The evidence of things not perceived with your five physical senses. See, if you can, if you can know something with your senses, you're not going to need faith. Faith is what you need when you can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't hear it. Anything by your five physical senses, it, it doesn't take faith. It didn't take faith for you to sit in your chair today. You, you know, you sat there because you felt it, you saw it, you perceived with your senses, I can sit down. <laughs> 
That's a good thing. I've been on the mission field. Sometimes you don't know if you can sit down. <laughs> and sometimes you, just, you perceive in your senses that you don't want to sit down. <laughs> it's better to stand. Praise the Lord. So, that's this, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us what faith is. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, why do people fight? When you're trying to walk by faith, people want to discourage you from that. When you've got a faith project, I call it. Everybody ought to have some faith projects. If you don't have one and you can't think of one, come, I can give you some. <laughs> we have faith projects. We have adventures in faith. We have faith things going on all the time. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is. Now, a lot of people believe God is God, right? You can talk to people. They may be other religions, but they believe, you know. You, do you believe in God? Oh, yes, I believe in God. But God has many faces to, to the world. But we're talking about the only true God. Amen? So we must believe that God is. Well, I believe, how many say I believe God is? In other words, God exists, right? Some of you didn't raise your hand. You need to come up here and get saved at the end of the service. But not only I believe that God is, but I believe the Hebrews eleven six that you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's not a, he's not a robber. He's a rewarder. God is going to reward your faith. Because he, he created the word, uh, Hebrews 11, when you go down, it says the earth, the world was created by faith. How was it? How did, how did it be created by faith? Go to Genesis. The children are learning today. Their memory verse uh, is in Genesis. So uh, Genesis talks about how the world was created. It said God said, and it was good. God said, and it was good. Hebrews 11 takes that again and says, this is how it was done, with words. So if I'm going to fight a faith battle, I have to use words. Right? Jesus fought a faith battle, didn't he? Remember when he went on, and they called it the Mount of, of, uh, of uh, Temptation. Remember when he was out in the wilderness and the devil came? And tempted Jesus. See, Jesus didn't come as the Son of Man. He came, I mean the Son of God. He came as the Son of Man. He became one of us, and that's another sermon we don't have time to preach, but he had to come as us so he could redeem us. Enough of that, but that's the truth. So Jesus was, he was tempted. When the Bible says he was tempted... It means he was tempted. Oh, I can't imagine Jesus being tempted. He was just like you and I. And, you know, he, he told him several, you know, you can jump off, you know. Well, those are things that the devil tempted him. He said, you know, I can turn this, these rocks into bread, you know. Listen, he'd been there for a long time. 
Anyway, you've been to if you've been to Israel and stuff, you know they have these bread, you know, just piled up, and it's it's uh, it's wonderful. To, but they kind of do look like flat rocks, you know. When I was teaching my children, you know, at the, we were doing devotions. They were little, and I took them to Bud Miller to teach. I was teaching them on this. I took them to Bud Miller, and we we got rocks and we put them on the picnic table, and we to, I told them the story. How Jesus could have chosen because he was hungry. Jonathan and Liberty, are you hungry? Yes. Well, the devil said to Jesus who was hungry, this could be bread. But what did Jesus do? How did Jesus fight? That was a fight of faith, wasn't it? He had to make a choice, right? He could have given in to the devil or he could have done what God wanted him to do. What did he do? Now, we know Jesus said, I only do what the Father says. But how did he fight that fight? He said, it is written. And he quoted a scripture. Many times people come up in a prayer line, and if we were to stop and say, now I'm not talking about baby Christians, I'm talking about people that should be able. But if we were to stop and say, so what scripture are you standing on? I would tell you that a lot of people wouldn't have one. They're looking to you to have the faith to get them healed or delivered or whatever. Listen, you have the ability. And so, oh, we're so blessed today that we can find scriptures. I mean, if you, have a, if you have a phone, if you have a computer, or if you have the big Strong's Concordance, you can find scripture for the thing you're dealing with. Amen? And you can be standing on this. It's not wrong to have someone agree with you, you know, and say, this is, I'm standing on this scripture. Will you agree with me? That's, there's nothing wrong. But what is wrong is when we know to do good and we don't do good, the Bible says that's sin. So I have to be, and I'm, like I said, I'm not talking about baby Christians. I'm talking about people who know, who've grown in the things of God. In other words, brownie, should be able to have a scripture for everything the devil's trying to do. I should be able to say, now, okay, this is the scripture I'm standing on. Maybe I don't have it right in my head at that moment. Maybe I have the scripture, I don't know the reference. But I know how to find it. Amen? So we need to do that. Praise the Lord. So faith comes. We need to use our words to win the fight. We need to use our words. You ever said to your little children, use words. But now some people lose. I know this isn't good, but you can lose the faith fight because you think you're in faith and you're not. Where's a scripture example? Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, that was Peter. He's with Jesus. And... Jesus is talking about what he's going to go through. He's telling his disciples. And Jesus says to, to Peter, or Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus ever intercedes for us. He is the high priest of our confession. He is, if you think, no, if you say, well, nobody prays for me. Listen, number one, Jesus is praying for you. If nobody else, and I, 
I promise you there's other people praying because I've been awakened at night to pray in the spirit. I don't know who I'm praying for. It could be somebody in another country. Somewhere. I don't know. But I promise you there's people praying. But if there weren't, there's, there's the great high priest of our confession who ever intercedes for us. He's always praying for us. Jesus prays for you. The book of Psalms says he is mindful of us. In other words, we're on his mind. It says that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now that's what Jesus said. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. One of the greatest prayers that we as leaders, and you should too, is we pray that your faith does not fail. That's one of our responsibilities as leaders to pray that your faith does not fail. Now, faith in itself will never fail, but your faith. Because, you know, people can have faith in a whole lot of things, but we're talking about God kind of faith. And he said, but, but here's Peter correcting the Lord. Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, here's Jesus. I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. This is what we have to understand. Peter thought he was in faith. I'll go to prison for you, Jesus. I'll go to death for you, Jesus. That's being in presumption. See, you can think you're in faith, but you're in presumption. You're presuming that you're in faith. But, God, but Jesus said, no, 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 Peter, you're going to deny me three times. What happened? Did Peter go? Did Peter stand up for Jesus when Jesus was on trial? No. He went and he was standing by the fire. And one, one uh, translation said he was cursing. They recognized he was, he, hey, he's been with Jesus. He's been with that guy. They recognize his accent. We know who you are. You're, you're with him. Peter three times said, I am not. Now see, when he was with Jesus, like when you're in a great service and you're saying, Jesus, I'm going to, wherever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. You ever been there? You know, yes. I'm going to read my Bible every day, Jesus. And then, you know, a few days later, you get busy or whatever, and you don't fulfill what you said. So you're in presumption. And some people say, well, I'm just believing. You, you need to know that you have a word from God to believe for. When I first got saved, there was, you know, it was common for someone, like single people in the church. You know, well, I'm believing that that's my husband. I'm believing that's my wife. That was very common. And so that person would not even have anything to do. And they said, well, I'm just believing. That's my husband. I, it doesn't matter. I'm believing. Even to the point where that person would start to plan the wedding with someone else. Well, I don't, it's not going to go through because that's, that's my husband. <laughs> Did they have a word from God? No, they were in presumption. 
I presume that I can have that person. But it happens all the time when we make presumptions, you know, and we, we think we're in faith. So you have, to, you have to be able to judge your own faith. You judge what you're believing, but it's got to be based on the Word. You've got to have a Word from God. Now, listen, they, uh, God spoke to me about David Bounds. David Bounds was sitting in front of me in church, and God said, that's your husband. I heard that. So I could say I was one of those that did that. But I said to the Lord, Lord, I will never tell him that. I will never tell anybody else. If he's my husband, you need to talk to him because I don't want to marry a guy that can't hear from God. I'll never say, you said. And uh, so, you know, there was times that I wanted to just say, because David would say, you know, we'd, we'd go out to dinner or something. He'd say, Brownie, I love you with the love of the Lord. <coughs> Yay. <laughs> and give me a sisterly hug. And I'd go back to my house and say, Lord, did you say? And then there would be a, a preacher come that would prophesy, call me out from the audience. And say, that thing that the Lord promised you will come to pass. And I always knew exactly what it was. And I'm like, I know, but can somebody talk to him? <laughs> Do you know where the Lord spoke to David Bounds to marry me? Some of you know. The greatest battlefield of the Civil War. Gettysburg. That didn't give me all the, you know. Ooh, that's wonderful. What a romantic place. He said, when we were at Gettysburg, I'd gone up there to visit with some friends and help him. He was starting a church up in Baltimore. And so we, we kind of toured the place and we'd gone to this battlefield. He said, when we were at Gettysburg, the Lord spoke to me that you and I were to marry, that you would be my wife. I said, Gettysburg? <laughs> Is this going to be a battle? <laughs> if I marry you, are we going to be in trouble? <laughs> Not good. I come from the South. The South didn't do very well at Gettysburg. But I was so thankful that the Lord spoke. But I was so thankful that I said, we need to fast and pray for a week. <laughs> now the Lord had spoken to me. Now he's spoken to David. Then what did I say? We need to fast and pray for a week. He said, but you said the Lord spoke to you. Now I didn't tell him until after he said, Brownie, the Lord has spoken to me. Has he spoken to you? And I said, yes. Yes, like eight months ago. <laughs> yes. But then I said, we need to fast and pray. He said, okay, we will, we will fast and pray and see if Aaron's rod buds. I went, then he goes, do you know what that means? Yes, I know what that means. I wasn't ignorant. I knew what it meant. But he said, he said, you know what? That's what I would tell anybody else. They need to fast and pray. So that's what we'll do. And you know the rest of the story, as Harvey would say, and the rest of the story. 
But you see, I heard God, but I didn't presume that it would have to be the way I wanted it to be. And I had to stand in faith all those months knowing I was going to marry this man. But when we're talking about marriage, that's talking about somebody else's will. And he, he could have made his own will to not do that. You understand? So when you're talking about somebody else, you, you cannot use your faith. You can pray for them, but God doesn't make anybody do anything. He's given us a free will. So let me just throw that in when we're talking about faith. You know, you find what God wants you to do. You find out what the word says for you. And then you fight that fight of faith. Amen? Praise the Lord. Kind of got off there. I can't imagine that. Hebrews 3. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. That's, that's like take hold to eternal life. Three times or more than three times, it talks about holding fast in Hebrews. And then in Revelation, Jesus said it twice. Hold fast. Listen, when you're in a battle of faith, one of the greatest things you have to learn is to hold fast. There's an old gospel song that went, hold fast, brother, hold fast. Well, we need to encourage each other to hold fast, right? We need to encourage. You understand, this isn't just about you because if you could, if we could have like these digital things that come on our forehead and look around. There's people all around you today in this building that are in a battle and there needs somebody that says you can do it. You can hold fast. I'll stand with you. Amen? Amen. That's why we're in this great family. We're in a family. Take advantage of being in the family of faith. I'm not talking about just the word church. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the family of faith. Because there's lots of people that are in church today that aren't in faith. I was in church for many years, and I wasn't in faith. But thank God we have been taught faith. But we're not, we're, you know, the Bible talks about in the last days, they'll heap upon themselves preachers that'll, you know, for their itchy ears. In other words, preach Preach what I want to hear. You're not going to grow just hearing things you want to hear. <laughs> because what about when you're raising your children? Did they ever hear something that they didn't want to hear? Like, no, you're not going to do that till you clean your room. Oh, I don't want to hear that. We're not going to grow until we're able to take instruction and correction and say, okay, that's going to make me grow. I'm going to grow. And thank God that's how we do it. So we see again that God is calling us to hold fast, to fight the good fight. You know, in, uh, in 1 Samuel 17 about uh, David and Goliath, you know, the Israelites, they were talking and they... <laughs> The Bible says they were terrified and had lost all hope. 
That's a whole army. But Goliath, the Philistines look pretty bad. Listen, you can have some battles that look like it's impossible. You can have a financial battle that you can look at your bills and you can look at your finances and you say, I, I can't see any way. Listen, I've been there. I've been there where there was no way that I could do what I needed to do. And I mean, supernaturally. I mean, I remember a time I was in, I, I needed money. And I, I needed it like then. And I found an envelope on my chair, you know, after, like, during offering, I guess. And maybe you're in here, because I don't know who did it. Uh, But it had thousands of dollars in it, more than I needed. And I said to the Lord, what what do I do with the extra? We had a guest speaker that morning. And so it was like I went in there and said, look, I, I was in a place where it had to come like then. I hadn't told anybody, but God spoke to somebody to put thousands of dollars in an envelope and put it on my chair, more than what I needed. Isn't the God of the God of more than enough? I needed a new refrigerator, and I didn't have the money. And that money came in, and the Lord said, you get a new refrigerator, a stove, and a dishwasher all to match. And you give, you give it the others away. Well, see, God thought bigger than I did. But somebody was listening. They didn't know, but they listened. And if you're here today, this has been several years ago, but if you're here today, I want you to know I, I prayed over it. I had the guest speaker. We laid our hands on it. We prayed over it because I knew that God used somebody in this church to help me when I needed help. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Isn't it wonderful to live by faith? But when the, when the Israelites, they, they saw the Philistines, they didn't know how they are going to win. But what happened? David came. And David had already fought some battles. See, you can, you can grow by the battles you've already fought. David said, I fought the bear, I fought the lion. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the Most High God? I'm telling you, when you start winning some battles, you get bold. You you stick out your chest and go up to the enemy and say, who who do you think you are? How do you think you're going to win over me? That's what winning some battles. How many want to win some battles? How many got some battles you want to win? And you say, I, I am going to fight. Listen, some of you are weary from fighting. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. In other words, if you don't quit, you're going to win. Most of us quit right before the victory. Well, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to, if you are, if you're at the point where you think, I, I, I just don't think I can do it. Get somebody, grab somebody and say, can you pray for me? I've, I'm at that point. I need you to pray for me. In fact, let's just stand up right now.